Star Trek podcast in which three Star Trek fans watch all of Star Trek chronologically, one of them for the first time. My name is PJ Montgomery and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Hello everybody. And today, first episode of the second season and we've already got a guest. Wow. We are joined today by, uh, he works in IT but he has a degree in physics, so we're saying he's a scientist and he does write sci-fi as well. It's Benjamin Connell. Hello. Hey Benjamin, how you doing? I'm alright, I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. So you're in the unique position of joining us for the second half of a two-part story. Yes. Without having joined us for the first half. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't believe it when I'd heard it. No. But... <laughs> the, the, uh, this is my idea, I've got to say. Uh, it wasn't um, PJ just saying, do you want to come in at the deep end of part two? <laughs> this, <laughs> you offered me you the, the chance to, to yep. come in for part one, and I turned it down. Um <laughs> I think and we all thought this would be funnier. So. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did. Uh, I, I I will say I have uh, I have s- heard your you guys talk about part one, so I've caught okay, up cool. there. I've heard every episode up to now. Uh, no more, I'm afraid. Than <laughs> that. And I la- but I last watched Shockwave Part One 19 years ago. <laughs> uh, I watched all of season one of Enterprise when it came out in the UK in 2001 2002 and i was like oh my god what a cliffhanger and i never had it resolved until until this week and i thought <laughs> i thought great if i can do one episode with you guys it's got to re- i'm going to resolve that 20 year cliffhanger <laughs> that is great that's amazing i love, that. I love, I love that. that that's about your history with star trek when did you first get into it and, and what does it mean to you oh god um i think i started watching it around year four of primary school so i didn't about 10 ish um i think there were repeats of the original series maybe on channel four and BBC two i think i i uh, don't in the 90s bbc two yeah, yeah. It, it 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 was on the weekdays i think when i started watching it was on sundays or something i don't oh. know um but and i was aware of star trek you know because it's culturally huge and i was aware that there were star trek fans and that this was a thing you could be a huge fan of and i saw it and thought oh this is that Star Trek thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll be a big fan of this. So it was something of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But uh, I mean, I will say, I think, I mean, there's big fans of football and I, I never got into that. So. <laughs> I like how you th- you sort of made a conscious decision. You're like, hmm, yes, I will make myself a fan of this show. <laughs> and then sat hating the episode. But... <laughs> I really want to be a fan. I feel like I mean, that's Elliot's journey, isn't it? So yeah. far. <laughs> No, it, it really, um, but it, it, I mean, it, it, it you know, the, the show is good. It has millions of fans. It, it did draw me in, and then, and then I think um, BBC Two picked up Next Generation and the original series, and they were running those on BBC Two's on weekdays. 
and then Deep Space Nine came along. Uh, and, and in this time, I had calendars. I had action figures. I had a desk diary. I had toys. Yep. And at some point, I started collecting Star Trek Monthly magazine. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that and- albatross. <laughs> uh well <laughs> um yeah I, I i my parents moved house at some point and i threw away a load but i sort of leafed through and kept a, a few of them and it, it just became this huge part of my life i i had a a, a uniform mm-hmm. uh which i wore out for my i think 12th birthday we went bowling and i <laughs> i wore my my ds9 uniform. ds9 you i was gonna that was my next question actually speaking mm. of star trek monthly elliot and i are mum Recently found a load of mine in her loft from like the 90s, the period when Deep Space Nine and Voyager were both on the air at the same time. So um, I need to get those off her and leaf through them, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I guess some pictures up on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But it's coloured my entire life. And it's actually, now I'm sort of approaching, I'm kind of middle aged, (laughs) young middle aged, and realising it left me with this huge sense of optimism about the future. And I just kind of assumed that my my future would be sort of more like theirs which is a bit silly because it's several hundred years in the future still and and i'm realizing that the world isn't like this caring place where everyone <laughs> achieves it, it isn't but i will point out as i have done before mm. star trek did go through a dystopia before they got to that yeah. utopia you we're look at the in... ds9 two-parter past yeah. tense that's like three years in our future I was say, yeah. yeah we're a bell riot yeah sort of phase. we've, we've got, got nuclear war as well yeah yeah we've we've got all that it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better <laughs> but this podcast will survive it hopefully <laughs> the historical records <laughs> one other thing i would just like to say we are finally recording in person for the first time since broken bow yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I think we recorded like a year before we launched as well, with yep. how yeah. the pandemic yep. hit and everything. There so. was at least a nine-month gap between our first yeah. and Vulcans so wouldn't let us release the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. Those damned Vulcans. So yeah, today we are looking at Shockwave Part 2, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. And directed by Alan Croker, and we open with last time on Star Trek Enterprise and a recap of the previous episode. Which I was glad of, because I couldn't remember a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched it with Lisa, and she did say, have we watched part one? Even during the recap, so... <laughs> yeah, we uh, we open basically on the Enterprise with Silic going, where's Archer? And Paul going, we don't know, and Silic goes, but I want him! <laughs> and yeah, and once again, this is a, another point where like nobody apart from DePaul has thought more than one move ahead. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else is just like, oh, let's just kill everyone. They come on board, and it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but she actually says, well, look, don't blow us up. Come on board. You can look for him on the Enterprise. You won't find him. So we then see a Sulaban pod just lazily roll into the Enterprise's docking port. This is another point, though. Uh, to, in you know Trip's favor and anybody else who's being belligerent, is like they could probably only get like four people at a time out of those pods onto the ship. They're just like waiting in the airlock for the next bunch of people to turn <laughs> up yeah, before think, they were like a significant force. I think we've seen uh, various times over the series that they can't handle logical simple tasks and that they've, they've they i think there's been other specific times where like they've like not used space efficiently as simple as they could to like put a number of people in a pod or something yeah and just thumbing them in there as many suits. like they do stretch don't they in shape shift so yeah. they're just like maybe it's like one of those clown cars <laughs> what the show <laughs> 
no, the little the little clown cars where like loads of clowns get out of a tiny car. Yeah, <laughs> it also doesn't help like the the Suleiman ships look like two IKEA boxes like glued together, <laughs> <laughs> or just like a um, like a bin. Yeah, like, like an alleyway <laughs> bin for a restaurant. <laughs> They were so formless that I didn't even come up with an opinion on them. <laughs> but now that you say it, yeah, that's what they resembled. Well, the other thing, and this is quite a geeky cut, but like red dwarf's larvae. Like if red dwarf laid a load of eggs, that's what they would look like. Yeah. Oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> no, I can see that. Yeah. Just to touch on what you said about um, not being able to remember part one, listening to season one of your show, it's amazing to me how unmemorable this show. <laughs> okay. I know it was 20 years ago, but you'd think I'd remember something. And occasionally there was an episode where I think, that rings a vague bell? <laughs> like even, even some of the better ones, like the one with Jeffrey Coombs, it's like, oh, I remember that one. Oh, well, at least I remember he was in it. I don't remember anything else yeah. about it. <laughs> Here's the thing I found. Season two, even more unmemorable. Really? Like I could look at a, a list of season one episodes before we recorded and go, oh yeah, I remember what that one's about. I remember what that one. Season yeah. two, I can remember exactly two episodes right. and those only vaguely. The rest of them, I'm, I have no idea what this yeah. is. So, and and like th- th- this episode we're talking about today, obviously big part of the the temporal cold war. Hooray! I, I I remember that being a much bigger feature of season one. Like yeah, because uh, it was it was basically the only recurring plot point, and I remember that that was what it was about. And it's not really. There were like three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of it. It's um just to, to kind of go back a bit on into what you were saying about memorable episodes. I was thinking about this just the other day because I was thinking. Is it just because I haven't seen it for such a long time all the way through? And then I remembered that I haven't seen uh, the episode of the original series, Charlie X, since I can't even remember when. And I can still remember it more or less beat for beat. And <laughs> because it's basically a Twilight Zone episode, yes, yeah. you know? But a really good one. But also a really good one. So, yeah, it is all about quality, I think. Mm. I was saying this to PJ uh, in the ride over here. We were just talking about sort of how I don't feel like I've tasted Star Trek properly yet mm. at all. Yeah, like even though I've watched a series of Star Trek, and I can say I've watched yeah, the whole series. Yeah, I, I likened like, it to occasionally in season one of Enterprise, Star Trek like peeked its head around the corner, and when Elliot turned around to look, it quickly disappeared. Yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> Whoa, what was that? Huh? Was that real Star Trek? It's like supermarket <laughs> sushi. You'll buy it on your lunch in work, <laughs> but it's not really having sushi. <laughs> I've, I've got a lot to say on this sort of subject as we go along. Cool. So. Excellent. <laughs> so then we get the credits, which are exactly the same, but Ben. This is your first time with us. It now, is. Now, Ben and I have talked on Twitter. Yeah. Ben's told me he kind of likes the theme tune. Go on, so, ben. This Justify is, this yourself. This is Ben's defense <laughs> of Faith in the Heart. Okay. Well, I'm going to start by saying I watched this with my wife, Joy, whose opinions you will hear more about today. <laughs> <laughs> and so it came on. I was like, Joy, what do you think of the theme? <laughs> and she scowled at the TV, paused for a minute and said, I hate it. <laughs> Oh, I like Joy. Now, I will confess, I love it. I actually love it. Oh, wow. And did you know there's a version that's over four minutes? That feels excessive. I have never sought to look for more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked it up on YouTube and there are two versions. There's the one from the show and there's a four, four minute, 15 second version. Which I assume which, is just a full song. It is, yeah. It's a full song. It's got more verses and uh, sort of in a different order. um, And um, apparently it was written for the film Patch Adams. Yep. Was it really? Yeah. And then somehow someone heard it and thought this would be great for Enterprise. What a strange link. 
But well, I'm 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 going to justify that now. As in, in as, so as as part of my support for the song as as a theme for the show, I think I was primed to to like it because in my head canon, um, "Living on a Prayer" by Bon Jovi was always the, to me the unofficial theme of Voyager. And so I was kind of primed to, to like it a bit there. But I remember I remember sitting down to watch the first episode of, of Enterprise and the theme came on. Like, this is the most memorable thing about this show. Mm. So, <laughs> and going, oh, that's different. It was different. Yes. What other sort of hair rock do you imagine Star Trek series could have? I've thought about that. I haven't really been able to come up with any more. I was thinking but... that Sweet Child of Mine might be good for Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Maybe I think for, no. Sweet child of mine from season four, first three seasons. Here I go again on my own by White Snake. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, or possibly for Deep Space Nine, something like um, Born to Run from season four onwards. Um, but yeah, so I, but I, obviously, as as you watch it, there's that stock imagery of uh, history of sailing and air travel and flight and which, apart from the space long road, I do like the yeah, imagery. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Apart from the road that the ship sails down, I love it all. Okay, I love Alan Shepard in there, like yeah. shaking his head. That's so fucking cool. And and as as, as you watch the imagery, you're like, oh, I see where they're going with this. And I tried. I, I'm a very open-minded person. I tried. I tried to kind of meet it where it was coming from, and 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 I, I I just thought this this works with the theme of of the show. Uh, like all, all the lyrics is very they, they carry that spirit through the show. And you know, there's we'll get to it, but there's some impassioned speeches at the end of this episode that chime in very nicely with the theme of the theme, and. And I am kind of a sucker for for some hair metal. I grew up on a lot of seventies and eighties rock music, um, and like, and we, we've had several episodes where they will like camp on a planet and they'll have a campfire. And I can easily imagine, um, like, is it Mayweather? Yeah, just getting out an acoustic guitar and them sitting around a campfire singing this to themselves. <laughs> um, and it, it it conveys that kind of scrappy. That, that scrappy nature of uh, of the mission that they're on. Also the first case out there. I, I also can see in that episode, like when Mayweather goes to his tent at the end of it, Archer in a trip and going, who was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> that song was rubbish. <laughs> Don't let him play that ever again. Anyway, he's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> Thought of another one, uh, Voyager, Immigrant Song. Oh yeah, that would be that would actually be really cool. That's too cool, actually, for Voyager. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, yesterday, uh, Joy and I sat around listening to the themes and talking about all of them, and and, and we we played the DS9 theme and the Voyager theme, and the Voyager theme is beautiful. It's yeah. probably my favorite thing about the show. <laughs> it, it it's a very mixed bag as a show, but the theme is yeah. stunning. It and is. it ma- the theme makes me tear up and and then I go oh god this is so sad. I know it's cheesy, but the enterprise theme also kind of makes me tear up as well. How interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that there are other Star Trek themes that I only know the original series and now Enterprise. You'll recognize I think the original. You'll uh, recognize next, next gen, gen when yeah. we get. Yeah, there, I'll definitely. recognize it, but I can't think of it. Off the top I'm going to try and find out who this is by the end of this episode, or possibly put it on social media. But there's like a violin solo of. Yes, you shared seen? the video with oh, me. Oh man, it's so affecting. It, it, it literally brought a tear to my eye. It's of a, what? A woman just playing all of the the themes from like the original series through to the latest ones. I think through to Discovery and Picard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
uh, they stop short of lower deck, sadly, which is also a great theme. Yeah. But um, yeah, she just plays them all on like violin okay. and it is but outstanding. So Enterprise, though, she does the closing credits. Yeah. The yeah. Archer's theme rather than... Oh. Um, yeah. Which, and some people call her a coward in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she definitely but isn't a coward. I totally get your point there, Ben. I read, And I get I get what they were going for completely and I agree with you to a, mm-hmm. to a point. Mm-hmm. For me, the song itself doesn't land. And I feel like if they'd gone with a different song, it probably would have worked better. But who are we to take away... How it makes you feel? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's symbolic of the, of the whole show. Like I'm going to go on about this so much, but <laughs> it, it it speaks of they were trying to take the show in a new direction that wasn't traditionally Star Trek, and then they kind of bottled it, and it ended up stuck between two worlds. And I think that's part of the reason. I think if they'd gone if they'd gone full full throttle for it, I think it might have worked better. But I have done a little extra reading on this in the hiatus, and we can safely say Brown Braga wanted to take Star Trek in a new direction, and Rick Berman said yes, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. That is that. It's so clear, so yeah. obvious. So post credits, mm-hmm. we are back in the thirty first century, where Archer and Daniels in his lovely rubber hose suit. Yeah, are... his still suit from June. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was thinking of that. I think I in the last episode I wrote Stillgar. I can't <laughs> believe. I just got the new edition of Dune that Arrow Video have put out and watched it, and I can't believe I didn't make that connection. It is definitely a still suit, isn't it? <laughs> but I've also put in... The, Daniels basically does a lot of shouting about how the future's ruined and his time is terrible now, and I don't I don't know if it's the actor or just the fact that the script is fucking shit, <laughs> but he's really terrible at emoting in this scene. Oh no, he reminds me of a uh, Dawn of the Dead background character. <laughs> I know, I know him from Friends. He's in oh. Friends. He is. I think he is the guy who Phoebe and Mike try to give money to three different times for charity. They give him money, then they take it back, then they give them money, then because they keep changing their minds oh, about what they want I money don't for. Remember money for their I wedding. Don't remember the episode? And he's yeah. the guy who gets really fussy with them by the end of it and is just like you know what just take your money we don't want your money go have a nice wedding <laughs> I don't know that. so he plays this really sassy sort of i think maybe meant to be gay guy but he, that's the only thing i know him from. well um joy swore she recognized him from something and looked him up on imdb as we were watching it he has a very long back catalog um he's uh, of parts like that, mm. he crops. He's got supporting roles in a lot of things. You like if you go back through it, you're like, oh god, he was in that and that and that. You've probably seen him in a dozen different. A shows. real jobbing actor, then. Yeah. Real jobbing actor. And we, um, he, okay, and this is something I'm going to come back to a lot. He's he was in Galaxy Quest. Oh, he was. Yes, he's the first alien they meet when they get off the transporter and says, "Sorry, we forgot about our image generators." And I don't think he's in it again except well that's his only line anyway and he's got the same haircut well yeah he just looks like a galaxy quest alien anyway doesn't he he does he really does i you know i gotta be honest with you though i absolutely empathize with him because when i make a mistake in work that's exactly how i (laughs) (laughs) but then there was this was awful he's like oh no the monument is gone. What monument? <laughs> to the Federation. Wink. <laughs> Which I can't tell you about. The unspecified monument. <laughs> this is something we usually leave up to art department, but it's not there, so we can't. <laughs> yep. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, I know what you're doing, and this isn't. This is basically just f- not for me. This is specifically not for me. <laughs> like. This is for everyone except me, who hasn't seen Star Trek before. <laughs> yeah. Is this the first time you felt that alienated by this show? 
Probably, yeah. This is well, I don't know. There's there's other times that they've shoehorned things in that I know about because I'm a, like secondhand. Star I, but I feel Trek like fan like things yeah. like in Shockwave but, Part One where they look at Daniels's data in his quarters and you see all the future ships they're so brief and so quick and it's actually fairly natural to the story they're telling yes. that it doesn't take you out of it but this moment they made so much of yeah and the fact that it's like a desolate blown up city there's literally no nothing to draw my eye or ear to except what's going on with these characters and when he's going the federation and i'm just like i know nothing about the federation yet except that it doesn't exist now i have a feeling that library that they they come to in this scene is supposed to be recognizable to americans is it, is it... it it's new york public library ah, right, okay. right okay yeah we because it came up on the screen and lisa went oh we've been there <laughs> oh really <laughs> it looked better when we went you've never been to a cgi library <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they go to the library because daniels wants to check out a copy of william shatner's tech war <laughs> Out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to the Enterprise and the Suleiman are searching. They can't find Archer, but they do get their data disks back. And mm. they go, have these been copied? And Hoshi's like, no. And they go, have they been copied? And Hoshi's like, no. <laughs> do the test <laughs> that you can obviously do to show that it hasn't been copied. Where the Suleiman Gestapo. This is, you, I've heard you guys talk about moustache twirling villains. And God, he was one of them, wasn't he? He was this very smarmy, posh kind of. <laughs> yeah, but I quite like when Silic does it. Because for mm. me, it's an actor that's aware of what he's doing. And yeah. it feels like pantomime. I don't he dislike was quite Silic. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done with him. He's... Uh... He's just, it's that weird, gross moss face. <laughs> do, do you know what? I'm not going to lie. I watched this last night and s- s- my attention fizzled out in the last 15 or so minutes of this show. And I had to rewatch it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I got an extra dose of Silic through that, basically. And first time watching, yeah, he put me to sleep and I had basically fizzled out my attention. But this morning, rewatching it, yeah, I kind of agree. He like hams it up to a point where you just go along with it, and you're like, <laughs> "All right, he's he knows that he's like a crap villain." Yeah. What if so... I was to tie Hoshi to the railway track? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but literally, there's all, there's one point where we'll get to it later. But there's one point where he even like a, uh, one of his henchmen says, "We need to do a thing, do this," and he's he's just like, "You do it. I'm busy." <laughs> yeah. He is Skeletor, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. 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 And we all love Skeletor. We do, yeah. He's a slightly straighter Skeletor. So in in the scene that they're searching, like I said, the ship, and we get a good shot of engineering, and I've got just in my notes, I thought the set was fantastic. Yeah, I really like the engineering set. I think it's very, very and, cool. And, and and the bridge, actually. Mm. Um, there's a lot about the set design that I really like. Um, I think if you're coming straight from Voyager, it's a bit jarring, mm. which is obviously how it was released, following up from Voyager. But yeah. I think if you come to it this way, it does really work as an early warp I, five I mean, ship. Yeah, even even as I did come off the back of 15 years worth of, plus of Star Trek. Um, yeah, it, it fit with that kind of... It looks like Star Trek, but very kind of primitive. It's somewhere between us and, and them. Like some of the screens are like, well, that's just a flat screen monitor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of pipes. And I think there's like uh, those like zip ties and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it looks great. I think the internals of the, the period really well. I think are, are pretty good. 
But that the warp core, which I do love, I, I'm half expecting, and this is a really deep cut Star Trek joke, <laughs> that to pop open one day and giant Spock from the animated series to get out of it with a tan. Don't ruin giant Spock for <laughs> Elliot. It just looks like a giant tanning bed. But <laughs> no, I, I do like it. I think especially engineering is cool. And it's one of the best parts of the ship that blows up. Like oh, okay. keeps doing it. Yeah, it really does. There's an awful lot of fire in <laughs> But one of the Sulaban, he has a device with which he detects temporal. He's like, look! Temporal! <laughs> Aha! <laughs> the needle's off the scale. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you could get a new job in temporal. <laughs> and they say to Paul, has Archer time travelled? And Paul goes, I don't know. I'm very close-minded about time travel. <laughs> <laughs> and then they confine everyone to quarters. Related to Paul, though, she does what I would have done in that situation. She just answers the question straight. Like, yeah. you know, Trip would be like, well, yeah, you're a little bitch. Or something like, don't, no, just don't be a belligerent. Just answer the fucking questions. Everyone will go into their quarters and nobody will get curb stomped. Yeah. That's it. Then when they say, we're putting you all in quarters, Trip's like, no, and shoves one of them. And they've all got big guns. Yeah. You don't ever send me to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you're not my mom. Right, no dinner, Trip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, Trip really annoyed my wife because he kept annoying, uh, interrupting everyone, particularly to Paul, and so he was like her least favorite character. By oh, the end of the can can we ask what she thought of Malcolm now? <laughs> oh, didn't, she, <laughs> didn't, did, she didn't really express an opinion. Um, and I typical uh, Malcolm, not a Malcolm heavy episode to be fair. Mm, it, it wasn't. It really wasn't. Like he, he was actually quite useful. All he does is get beaten up. Like. Well, I, I I do have a, a comment about Malcolm, which we'll come on to in in that scene where he, it's the one thing he, he does. So, um. <laughs> but then we uh, we go to Earth, where Ambassador Soval is shouting at Admiral Forrest, going, "Where's the Enterprise?" And Forrest, like, "Well, you use your long range sensors." And there's this random commander we've yeah. never met before. That Memory Alpha tells me is called Commander Williams, but Lisa and I dubbed him Commander Dude Bro. Oh, I, I called him um, uh, Commander Flavor Flav. Because like, essentially he just kind of like jumps out and just sort of like hype man as Admiral Forrest. He's, got this, he's very built. He's got this big square head. Yeah. And he's oh, like, oh, the dude, the dude with the big chin. Yeah. He looked like Stan Winston from American Dad. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Commander Flavor Flav, Dude Bro Winston. He's like, no, Archer wouldn't do that. He's clearly an Archer fanboy. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Don't embarrass me in front of I, I, I assumed he'd been in other episodes, no, but he just wasn't no. worth mentioning. So Never seen see... him before. Right. Brand new. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Admiral Forrest's like, shut up, Commander. He's right, though. Have you used your long-range sensors from your Vulcan ship? And the Vulcan's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I have been reminded in the uh, in the season break as well. I said previously that uh, Vaughn Armstrong, who plays Admiral Forrest, has played like 12 characters on Enterprise. That was wrong. It's 12 characters through all of Star Trek. All right, okay. Uh, that makes so much uh, more He sense. first appeared as a Klingon in season one of Next Generation. Oh, okay. So, I assumed that that's what you meant, uh, I think, uh, at the time. I, I had misread my facts. All right. Okay. I okay. No, I genuinely thought we'd seen, we'd just not, we'd missed him 13 times. <laughs> like. I mean, that also kind of made sense. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed because I'd built up this headcanon that it wasn't the same actor it actually was admiral forrester and he was <laughs> he was going into space pretending to be aliens in order to justify the mission that enterprise is on and like a lower low mission <laughs> it is i admiral forrester yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we then after the oh the vulcans have also said oh to paul wouldn't go along with whatever arch is doing that we haven't decided what he's doing yet 
Oh, and also he goes, um, the Dakia said they were joined by other vessels. At which point I'm like, well, that would have been handy to have led with, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and they say, well, what vessels? We don't know. Well, you... you <laughs> like, how do you win arguments? <laughs> that should, you should have said that first. What were the, who were the other vessels that they were with? And then we could have all had a panic instead of having Admiral Hypeman here shout at you. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if Admiral Hypeman comes back in season two at all. I kind of hope he doesn't. I, It'd I be kind funny of if him. this was his only appearance. Yeah, I suppose so. I would. I do kind of like it when you know, characters return just to hang out for a bit. <laughs> I can think of a couple of other recurring characters. I know there's another captain we meet down the line who oh, appears a few of the times. Columbia, yeah, is it? yeah. Um, but I cannot remember if this dude appears again. He's an archer hype man. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, I'm going to go out now. This episode, crap. But. In this episode, I have nothing against Archer himself. Yeah, this is some best Archer I've yeah, seen. I feel like Archer is improving. <laughs> yeah, bit by bit. But we cut from there back to the Enterprise, uh, which has now been docked with uh, like a Sulaban. They, do they call it the Helix? Yeah, right? yeah. I thought that was really cool. I liked it, yeah, actually. I'm done with that. It, it does finally make sense of their stupid little ships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the design concept of, of the cells and the Helix... I really like that. But Selick's trying to get in touch with Future Man, but can't for oh, some reason. Ghosted, Tem- yeah. temporarily ghosted. Yeah, see, I really like this. That that they've they've been trying to change in this field of the timeline, and they've they've like all, it, it. They imply they've ruined it for themselves yeah. as well as yeah. as the Federation. This yeah. is a good um, good thing about this episode. Actually, yeah. yeah. Mm. But I also liked his little bitch lieutenant going. Nah, we don't need Future Man. <laughs> You're yeah. big enough on your own, silly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. So he's then like, um, let's get the Vulcan and torture her. Yeah. Mm. We, oh, we go back to back Archer. To the and, yeah. Going back, Marty. And 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 um, Archer's like the Romulan Star Empire. What's that? So I disappear one day, and all history changes. I've looked through the 21st and 22nd centuries. Everything looks right up until the Warp 5 program. After that, nothing looks right. There were a lot of people involved in the Warp 5 program. We didn't bring a lot of people here this morning. We just brought you. The Romulan Star Empire. What's that? Maybe you shouldn't be reading that. I don't get it. What could I have done that could have been so important? It wasn't just you. It was events you helped set in motion. This timeline, the one you say no longer exists, what can you tell me about it if my mission had continued? It would have led to others. And? Okay. And Danny was like, nope, <laughs> don't touch it. And once again, I sat there going, huh? See, this is to get you to empathize with Archer now that this episode's all about. <laughs> See, I didn't mind that one as much as the Federation monument bit because it was one line and gone. Yeah. I, I Where's the Federation monument? Where's the monument to the Federation? The Federation is important. I can't tell you about the Federation, <laughs> but remember the Federation. That's not there because you're not there. The Federation. <laughs> just, just Romulans. What? Nothing. <laughs> I actually I actually thought that line was worse. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I think... Um, I mean, obviously, 
I mean, I, I think I do too because it served no purpose to the plot. It was literally just shoehorned in there. Yeah, it, it, the Federation not being there is part of the episode. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a definite just sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Whereas, yeah, the Federation not being there, it's like mm. you don't know what it is necessarily, but yeah, yeah. but you know it's important <laughs> to him and the future. Yeah, and that the monument not being there is bad. Yeah, so let's oh unspecified dread. I wish he just picked out a sexy book instead. The Love Slave of Orion. <laughs> By William Shatner. <laughs> uh, Elliot, do you know what the Romulan Star Empire is? Of course not. There we go. Then. <laughs> oh, this is the bit where they have a scavenger hunt, isn't it? Yeah, they're looking for books. So they're in the right place. I can't even remember if they find a book they want or do, not. Aren't they, gonna, aren't they sort of creating a time communicator now? Isn't that like yeah, the next so thing? Daniel says, hey, Archer, do you have your communicator? He's like, yeah, it's in my arm pocket. Do you have your scanner when you were on the bridge of the Enterprise? Yeah, it's in my butt pocket. Don't know why he'd have had that with him, but okay. Do you have any sweets? <laughs> and then Daniel says, ah, brilliant. We can contact the past. And I do like Archie just going, you can't do that with those. <laughs> <laughs> Even I know. you can't do that. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> then we uh, we cut back to... Torture. Silic torturing to Paul, and this was weird. It was. Do you know why it was weird? Because it was ripped out of an episode of Twenty Four. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I can't one hundred percent confirm this, but I've definitely seen an episode of Twenty Four where someone's on like a bench and there's like bags of liquid and like tubes leading off them. So I just think that they were like, "Oh, we'll just just do that." Hmm. Hmm. It was all extremely vague. What was really happening? Were they injecting yeah. her, or was stuff? coming out it, of... it was just kind of sitting she was wearing this collar that was just kind of sitting loosely around her neck and yeah. there was a cable tubes. cable and she was going to the collar but mm. nothing looked like it was really making contact with her neck and it no. didn't even look like it went all the way around there were certainly tubes full of what looked to be like blue liquid or were they just blue cables well so there, there was definitely liquid moving through some of the cables but then yeah. liquid moving the other way through other cables Okay. So, so just were they like taking like a her blood cooling out, system for the machine, taking her blood out and replacing it with glue or something? <laughs> oh, glue. That sounds awful. <laughs> I maybe, thought it might be animals. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a liquid cooling system. She's really cold. But my, I mean, she this was is cold. more, she more was information cold. than I picked up on. My best guess was that it was some kind of, you know, the agony chambers from Mirror Mirror. Mary, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought, is it some kind of? Like tubey version, tubey version, yeah. Like it's not something they put you inside; it's something they clamp around your neck because you look kind of in pain. I don't know. That's I really, the best I could come up yeah, with. Yeah, I really it wished, wasn't clear. I really wish they'd explained something about this because it was yeah. clearly having an effect on her, and I couldn't tell if it was just that she's in pain, so she's like regressing to fucking nonsense, or if mm. they were literally injecting some kind of truth serum with. Yeah, her. that's what, what was, was going yeah. on. Yeah. But then, why would she be in pain if it's just a truth serum? Yeah. yeah, it we, was weird. We couldn't see all of it. I had a theory that she might have her feet in like a bowl full of like creepy newts that she didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, newts. we know she's scared of dentists. Maybe it was a bowl of dentists. <laughs> Tiny dentists. <laughs> like some oh, weird S and M dentist in the background. <laughs> like, That's a disturbing one. I don't, I don't want to bring that joke back. <laughs> we got from there to uh, Malcolm's quarters where. I feel like what they're trying... Those sort of weird noises start coming through his communicator. And I think they're trying to lead you to believe it's Archer. Yeah. yeah. And then it just turns out to be Trip. I, I mean, yeah. in my mind, it was just some going... Twat, you're a massive twat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the way Trip says, Ah, oh, I can only reach quarters on deck B. And then in my head, he said, And I have tried every other quarters. <laughs> but I am stuck with you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I even called Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm says, who? <laughs> oh, That's about all that happens there, though. They yeah, can talk now. They can, they can talk. talk. Yeah. Well, I, I confess to being a bit kind of gullible and easily led in when I'm watching TV shows. My brother and my dad always could always tell you what was going to happen at the end of an episode just by watching the cold open. And I was... Oblivious. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was totally drawn in by this. Oh, is this Archer? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of disappointing when it wasn't. Yeah, but it also kind of made sense. Like, yeah. well, that would have been way too quick. Yeah. yeah. But then, Topol gets taken back to her quarters, mm. and basically, she goes and washes her face and drinks some water and gets into bed, and then Zordon Archer appears <laughs> above her bed. Just this weird gold. <laughs> hologram yeah. but the hologram is into has interference he's like hey to paul she's like time travel's not possible no it is i'm here talking to you no you're not no but i am though i mean i'm assuming it's because she was drugged yeah uh, that's the only explanation i've got like weird like zordon archer appears talks to you whilst you're in your underwear then yeah mm. oh yeah can we pause for a moment to talk about to paul's midriff <laughs> <laughs> okay i wasn't gonna bring it up but lisa did say she has a weird belly button it's so. a Vulcan belly button, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a prosthetic. <laughs> so, when this came out, I was 17, okay? And at that age, I was old enough to be aware that um, all the kind of... Well, T'Pol, as, as, a, as a character, like her costume and her casting, uh, just like Jerry Ryan in Voyager, was a very cynical attempt to... Um, to a- appeal to a certain kind of audience Fan service. member yeah yeah and, and increase the appeal of the show through sex appeal um but at the same time i was exactly the target audience <laughs> that it was for <laughs> so i at the, at the same time i really appreciated it but also hated myself at the same time <laughs> that's fair well <laughs> they, it's funny because they doubled down with hoshi later on yeah, yeah. we're gonna get into that oh god yeah but we're gonna get into that it, it, it doesn't in, it, whenever topol's in her like vest it doesn't look it doesn't look like she's wearing a bra underneath yeah. i'm like there's no reason for that that's just <laughs> she's a professional just officer just <laughs> yeah 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 and uh, anyway the show, moving on. <laughs> no i know what you mean the show is is very keen on on doing that especially to Depaul. yeah and the writing in fact just to kind of briefly jump forward a little bit without talking too much about that hoshi scene but i do think that the the creators of the show enjoy torturing hoshi just yep. a little bit too much because whenever something unpleasant has to happen it happens to hoshi yep yep well we get some weirdness almost straight away because Archer basically gets through to T'Pol and she agrees to help and then they can all communicate now. Stripper sorted that out. So they have a plan to take back the ship which involves going through the the basic what precursors to Jeffrey's tubes so mm. like the air vents of the ship yeah. and they can open the doors of the quarters from the outside and they say only a child could fit through them or a fully grown woman Hoshi. <laughs> <laughs> Do they like bring up like oh ensign ensign really small can also fit in the yeah. tubes? <laughs> well, I I didn't I didn't mind that she's obviously one of the physically smallest members of the cast. So okay, this is not bad. But then um, she says, "Oh, do I have to? You know, I'm claustrophobic." And I'm like, "This has come out of nowhere. It's really contrived, yeah. and it's a really really lazy way to amp up the tension." I feel like they could have done it by saying, "Oh, people aren't meant to." crawl through there yeah there might be chemicals or something yeah yeah there's it could be dangerous there's like hot 
farts. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fart vents. <laughs> it could be like hot components exposed things. Yeah, like, it's it hooks that can pull your clothes off. <laughs> or, or they could say, "Oh, it's not. It's not designed for getting from one place to another. It could be hard to navigate. Could yeah, get lost. Like, there's literally any other way they could have ramped up the tension there without just resorting to, oh, I'm claustrophobic." Which and which then really has a, she's then fine. Yeah, yeah. She just, yeah. Comes just yeah. like some some heavy breathing. Occurs. Yeah. No, don't you remember? She was sassy with flocks and said, "I want to get this over with as soon as possible." She wasn't. Uh, that wasn't in the script. She, was, <laughs> <laughs> she crawled through the tubes. <laughs> And to be honest, they didn't look that small. I could no, have fit through them. No, they, we yeah. agreed. They were also quite nicely lit. Yeah. 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 And she goes to Flox's quarters and gets a Flox? hypo spray from him. Is it, Flox is like my imagination of where the teachers lived when I was a kid. Like, does he live in the... the why is all of his stuff in his room? Yeah. <laughs> like they, the Sulaban moved Flox and everything from sick bay yeah, into, into his, his room. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets the hypo spray... And gets to outside Malcolm's room, tries to get out of the vent, and her vest gets caught on a hook, which means somehow it falls off. I mean, she's topless, and then uh, Malcolm answers the door and goes, oh, like <laughs> Kenneth Williams. <laughs> <laughs> the carry-on films. And she just says, just give me a shirt. And Because again, there are no bras yeah. on this show. Um, and I'm reminded of a... Uh, something that Carrie Fisher said where she said that George Lucas tried to tell her there are no bras in space. <laughs> <laughs> and she told him where to go. Yeah. yeah. Carrie, um, there are no bras in space. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apparently this this is true in Star Trek as well. Uh, for no I mean, reason. I think they are pajamas. So we'll give her like, I mean, I would have put some proper outfit on if I was going to go and do stuff like. You're in your quarters. You've been told you have to crawl through a tight space. You're going to put on a sports bra. <laughs> I mean, that aside, I'll just put on anything that is not my pajamas. I don't want to be like facing down the, the Sulaban in my mm. in, in, in my in my Jimmy Jams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a completely unnecessary gratuitous moment, and I kind of felt sorry for Linda Park having yeah. to do it. To be honest, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that bit from Star Trek, the uh, the J.J. Abrahams one, where Doctor Marcus is randomly yep. in a bra for no reason. Yeah. This is the most we've said bra in this podcast <laughs> ever <laughs> combined all episodes. <laughs> bra. We should keep count and then we'll we'll have a bra count for future episodes. But there's another underwear sure. anomaly in this episode. I don't know if you caught the second underwear anomaly. <laughs> you look far too proud of yourself right now. Is this because you usually can't see my face? <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, when he gets into Daniel's quarters, opens a locker and there are two pairs of socks and nothing else yeah. on <laughs> that's what happens next malcolm sneaks around goes to daniels's quarters and uh yeah there, i did notice <laughs> there were just two pairs of socks in this yeah locker. random pairs of socks and also he finds his game of bop it yeah <laughs> so he, he opens the door to a cupboard and then sort of reaches into the door and his arm disappears and there yeah, yeah brings out a game of of bop it Gets out of Daniels' quarters and, oh, no, the Sulaban were watching it and they point their wood panel guns. What actually him. happened is he hit it and it went, bop it, and it alerted all the Because <laughs> <laughs> no one can resist the bop it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and then he gets beaten up by... He gets Sulaban. quite the hiding, doesn't he? Yeah, so T'Pol gets this weird sci-fi pain collar... <laughs> Tooth serum thing, and he just gets a good old fashioned punch up because <laughs> they can't punch a lady. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. And, and to be fair, I think the guy playing Malcolm really sells it. 
Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's he was really great. Good, yeah, I would have electrocuted his testicles. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Thank God you weren't a Superman. <laughs> you had that ready <laughs> to go, Matt. <laughs> put a collar around his crotch. <laughs> To be fair, Matt says that about most situations, and I just cut it out. So. <laughs> uh, but he it ends up saying to Cynic, "Oh no, it's used to contact someone, but we don't know who the Bopit device." Yeah, at this point, I realise it's not a Bopit device, but a '90s answer machine. <laughs> so Cynic's like, "Ooh," and takes it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At which point, Trip and Topol invade engineering, shoot a load of Suliban. And then set it on fire. <laughs> so this is when this is when they invade engineering and the Suliban oh. falls over the rail yeah. to the floor, which I wish had a Wilhelm screen, but yeah, <laughs> they didn't. Same. Um, and then once they've got the room under control, there is another Suliban that is unconscious over a railing, and Trip needs to get to a machine. I'm pretty sure that Suliban wasn't in the way, but he still picks him up and throws <laughs> him against the bar. <laughs> Classic I trip. wish he just flipped him over it. To be honest, <laughs> another Wilhelm scream at the bottom. I've, I've got, I got a bit lost in my notes. I realised I, I meant to say um, when we see Hoshi with a shirt on, it is Hoshi sized, which means that Malcolm has Hoshi sized t-shirts in his <laughs> yeah. locker. And I want, I, I do and don't want to know why. <laughs> you he's got like super stretchy t-shirts that he wears sometimes? I wondered about that. You but... know all those women he was writing letters to in the Shuttlepod episode? He kept a shirt from each of them. Yeah, he's got a weird suitcase full of quote-unquote souvenirs. <laughs> anyway. So the fire they set in engineering manages to... Basically, it's a warp core breach is mm. happening. So Cedric's like, well make the enterprise go away so they tow it away and just set it adrift and then it goes to warp because they managed to very convincingly and without explaining how fake a warp core breach yeah Mm. to the point where the nacelles both explode yeah and then work fine i I think Mm. it's yeah it's kind of like when you make an exhaust have fire come out of it i guess or something yeah but uh, yeah they could have it could have done with uh, like you know we reverse the polarity of the neutron flow in there even yeah. if he was just completing a well every techno babble is horseshit but yeah. <laughs> i mean i didn't know what was going on yeah same <laughs> um but it's a cool idea in premise yeah i don't think they executed it particularly well i mean i don't think they've executed anything particularly well like much because i don't know what i don't know what's going on i don't know what's on the data disks that are being stolen that was the information that proved enterprise didn't uh, blow up that planet in, in part one my notes okay my notes say i got two notes for this scene the word tractor beam always makes me chuckle is point one because i just think about tractors and point two oh the enterprise is proper blowing up oh no wait it's a ruse like, <laughs> I've, I've got the same sort of thing yeah. written down i was quite taken in i was like oh snap I was like, oh my god it's fake oh it's so cool. <laughs> i was kind of again taken yeah. in um and then yeah they go to warp and and uh, I think this is where Mayweather gets a line. I don't even remember him having that line, but <laughs> yeah. And Welcome I into the crew. <laughs> I pointed it out to Joy. I paused it and I said, "That guy is his <laughs> navigator. His name is Mayweather. That's his only line in the episode. I guarantee you. And he is one of the most underserved characters on the show. And uh, Joy couldn't help drawing another comparison to Galaxy Quest, saying, "Oh, it's Laredo." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> Which is funny because they don't even they call him Henson again when he whenever they tell him to do something Henson they just call him Henson driver <laughs> hey baby driver come on get us to that nebula and and then we've there's this two swears 
Yes. So we're about to get the first one because Silic now thinks the device he's taken off Malcolm he can use to contact Future Man. So he just sort of strokes it in the Future Man room and then a Future Man appears and it's Archer jumping out of the Archer just jumps out of time. Haha, surprise. Which, how, how did that happen? Oh, with, he's got the the bop well, it. with I don't know. It's never explained. Archer's Mal- just there. Malcolm had the boppet, and then they took the boppet off of Malcolm, so they have the boppet. Yeah, so he was using the boppet to to try and speak to the his his like future space ghost coast to coast. I love this conversation. <laughs> I love this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and then that allowed Ar- Archer to leap through time with a classic Kirk double kick. It was mm. also a classic st- original Star Trek leaping through yeah. the time portal <laughs> yeah. thing. Is- <laughs> uh, and then yeah, he does say, "You ugly bastard." <laughs> Which is the best line that Archer has had in the entire series. I thought it was unnecessarily personal, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're just trying to find fault. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then Archer puts a gun to Cynic's head and says, uh, right, take me to the Enterprise, please. <laughs> you fucker. And then, yeah, someone says son of a bitch, don't they? Later Trip. On. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think they, Archer's voice comes over, or, or, or he says, uh, it's like, son of a bitch, he did it. Or That's it, something. yeah. And, and, and I think like joy pointed out he's just assuming this is archer they have no they still have no idea where he is but things are suddenly going well for them and they just attribute it to Archer, so, which is true. a very jason very naismith true. kind of <laughs> yeah situation. they are getting the enterprise is getting chased by pseudoban ships they're firing at each other at warp and then there's one point where to says ensign go 10 degrees left why <laughs> that hasn't helped you at all <laughs> also his name is travis yeah <laughs> But then, yeah, then the ships all fly off and Archer's on his ship. He says, hey, it's me. I'm on this ship. And well, how'd you do that? Well, I took a hostage and Silic is just like, <laughs> and I love that. He's I just genu- on the floor. I genuinely love that. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> I've kidnapped someone. <laughs> yeah. right, we'll, we'll, quick. <laughs> we'll leave him, but I'll come aboard quickly and then we'll just go. Yeah, we'll just go. <laughs> Um, also, this episode is one of the like the largest proponents of my theory that the Enterprise is entirely made up of arc welders and coffee steamers, because the whole thing is steaming and sparking <laughs> like gangbusters. Yeah. Absolutely insane. How the hell can you even work in Enterprise? Imagine your office did that every time that things got busy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some every, offices I've worked in. Can you imagine every time Excel is not stops responding, it's Spark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Archer's back on the Enterprise now. Everything's fine. He's also destroyed the Boppet, so Silic can't play with it. Nice. Um, which is just mean. Well, Silic sucked anyway. He could only get like two or three. <laughs> and then Enterprise finally rendezvous with the the Vulcan ship, which we both thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah, the Vulcan ship was awesome. Yeah, I like the Vulcan ships. And uh, then they have a conversation with Admiral Forrest, Ambassador Soval, and that commander is there. Yeah! <laughs> you better watch out! <laughs> if, if the show had been set in that office, it would end with a freeze-frame high-five from yeah. that commander, but everyone else would have left him hanging. <laughs> but Soval is like, well, okay, you didn't destroy that planet, but you're still shit. You've, you've done bad things and escalated our war with the Andorians and had firefights with 12 different races and stuff so your mission's still over and then Archer goes I was in Africa once uh, and I went no no (laughs) and I saw a gazelle being born no Archer stop it and then that that gazelle stood up and then it ran away for god's sake very quickly now humans aren't like gazelles I like stories because we can fly starships (laughs) 
And then Saval says, well, I thought there was going to be more to that story. <laughs> Saval goes, walk out of the room and look at what a gazelle is. <laughs> but yeah, it basically means then to Paul says, well, also, you know, we did have that listening post and that was bad. And they're learning from their mistakes. We're learning from ours. Mm. So the mission's allowed to continue. My note here says to Paul, colon, up your chuff, Saval. <laughs> yeah. Saval's a prick. He is a prick. I mean, mm. I don't always disagree with him, but he could still be less of a prick about it. I definitely have some stuff to say on this ending. Cause, Go on uh, then. Wow. <laughs> it just got intense. Uh, well, I don't know. It was kind of nice. It was nice to see probably the most coherent summation of the series I've seen so far of just a room full of people going, right, that dude out there, he's what had, as they say, like a dozen armed interactions <laughs> with various species. Yeah. It's the released. Elliot Archer kicking rocks theory. Yeah, he was. Proven. You've been kicking rocks, <laughs> and we've seen all of the windows you've broken, and we're we're not happy with it. So we're gonna take you home. And uh, at the same time, you know, I totally agree with everything she says. I do agree with Depol at the same time. Depol is, as again as always, the most logical and level-headed character in the whole series. Who. When she was like in charge of the ship, the more that I see her in that commanding chair in power, I'm just like, why isn't she the captain? Why didn't they just make her the captain character? It would have been so much more entertaining. I genuinely love Topol in, in charge. That like, could have been interesting, actually. You're right. Having like, a Vulcan like, if, captain if, too. If, if the like, Vulcans had said, okay, you can go into space, but we oh, need a Vulcan captain. But, but yeah, yeah, like not not just a liaison, which is a, but mm. the captain. Yeah, um, a Vulcan is in charge. Um, and then have that, that Vulcan empathize with humans far more and bring human rulers into it or whatever. Anyway, yeah. we didn't get that. But what we did get is uh, people talking about how Johnny has been running around breaking things. And we get one of my favorite trip lines ever which, because trip interrupting says, again. <laughs> yeah, he's interrupting when it's when the Vulcan says, no, you need to come back home. Uh, the, the ambassador and and a trip just goes what we prove we didn't kill those 3600 people <laughs> as if it's i proved i didn't eat your sandwich no it's not that it's not that kind of deal trip 3600 people are still dead and it is still even if it wasn't directly your fault indirectly your cause they probably killed like, 3600 other people <laughs> over the course of not the those particular 3600 <laughs> people <laughs> But I, I, I think you're right that um, while the gazelle thing started off a bit painful, painfully, <laughs> I, I, I think that, that those two speeches ultimately mm. came off really well. And as as a season opener, kind of recapping the themes of the show at large, that worked really well. Yeah, I think the last scene I like because <laughs> that, that, yeah, that that the speeches and the fact that T'Pol mm. sticks up for the humans and says, "Look, we've messed up." Sure, they're going to mess up, but they're not going to get better if they're not allowed to learn from their mistakes. And mm. that's what swings it in the end for Enterprise to be allowed to continue its mission. You do then get a nice scene between Archer and T'Pol with a weird line where it's like, oh, uh, this Ensign, yeah, ensign no, Fuller, Fuller, Fuller saw yeah, me come into your quarters and T'Pol's like, oh, they're, they're discreet. It's yeah, fine. She, she never talks about it when I get men over here. In the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's covered for me on multiple occasions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they do it, but they have a nice little scene together there where they're basically like, hey, we're going to keep going. Like, honestly, yeah. the only thing I'd really make a change to is... All the temporal Cold War bollocks. Well, obviously, but in that conversation, in regards to the conversation about Enterprise and what it should do, because T'Pol makes the best points, obviously, and she shows throws shade at the other Vulcans for going, hey, by the way, listening station on a sacred monumental ground or whatever, so you can shut the hell up, you don't have anything to say in this conversation, shuts them down real good. But 
this archer guy also maybe replace <laughs> just someone with some experience or knowledge uh, just or switch roles for yeah, six just, months and see how it works he out did him, yeah. good but guess guess someone else at the helm that scene was slightly spoiled for me android by this really weird expression that archer was using something like you pushed it over the top Oh, and he I didn't yeah. understand he, what he meant by He just that. repeated it as if yeah. that was an explanation. Is, is that a volleyball I, reference? It, I or water say, polo, I wonder. Oh, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah, I thought it was like a basketball <laughs> reference yeah. where one of them throws the ball at the hoop and then someone yeah, else said, jumps up and just prods it. Because it sounds like she took it too far. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, yeah. You, you put it over the top. Yeah. As in, you exaggerated. Maybe it's a trenches reference. <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? Though over the top there is bad. Yeah, that is bad. Yeah, I think going over the top in in UK English is yeah. definitely a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> I watched um, 1917 last night and I'm still traumatized by it. So yeah, I don't want anyone going over the top. <laughs> or is that a phrase we've never heard for like succeeding? I don't know. It's I, it's a marchable shit. I think it? in America sometimes it does. I think it's an mm. so it's an American sport thing. Like maybe yeah. going like hundred and ten percent. So a Vulcan is never going to understand. No, of course no, not. Like no, like the Vulcan's talking about gazelle is. <laughs> yeah, that, that entire analogy was lost on Silic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Shut up. But to be fair, there's been a million times on Star Trek where someone has said, "When I was a boy on the fields of Axor, I saw a baby Kulathan come from its egg, and it looked at me." And you're like, "Yeah, I don't know what any of that means." <laughs> you're right. Actually, it's relatively it's enough, traditional. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think overall my thoughts are effective last scene that kind of did what a season opener should do, and the rest of it was temporal Cold War bullshit that I didn't really care for. I I actually quite liked it. <laughs> um, after listening to you guys talk about some dreadful episodes, I thought this was a better one. And I at this point, I went back to the beginning to look up who wrote it and was a bit surprised it was Brandon Braga. I, mean, yeah, I, I was and wasn't, because like, it's a season opener, it's a part of a two-parter. So, oh, of course they did. But I was like, it, yeah, it wasn't bad. Like... Um, apart from some brief sort of sexism and it, 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 it was exciting it held my attention and and there was nothing massively that stuck out as being shit um yeah <laughs> like not making sense um uh, yeah and they, they didn't do that thing you guys talked a lot about about killing their own tension i didn't no. think so no um, maybe I apart was... from the claustrophobia bit but yeah, the rest yeah. of it. And they also cut out Daniels quick enough because I was worried this was going to be bogged down with Daniels horsing yeah, yeah. around. But yeah, I agree with you. I think this is like one of my like three-star episodes of Enterprise. Like, it, it, I mean, it's, it will be a while till we get a four-star Enterprise episode, I think. <laughs> but this one was, was solid enough, I think. I think I would give the prison camp one four. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we've had one. Yeah, we've had one <laughs> four-star episode. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hate this episode. I thought that Silic, especially, was great fun. Like he was really sort of chewing the scenery. I didn't hate it. I just didn't really care. I know what you mean, but I'm kind of like institutionalized by this now, <laughs> and I've had to kind of adjust my level of what caring is. <laughs> I, I do like where it leaves it. So it sort of leaves it potentially, hopefully, with some hopeful character growth for Archer. They've sort of learned from season one. So maybe we will do better as we go further out. So we'll have less of the rock-kicking Archer and more of actually effective Captain Archer, which I think we did start to see towards the end of Season 1. Yeah. He, got, he got better. Slightly. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Malcolm will be less annoying as well. It really... That's what it's going to take for me to enjoy this show. Because I, I wouldn't rate anything I've seen so far above three stars anywhere. 
and even this episode is like two or three give or take maybe if i was in a good mood i'd give it three but these characters are going to need to develop like if anything's gonna go above oh to a four <laughs> like i know there's character development in season four well, then maybe that will be the fourth star <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just FYI, I, I managed. I checked with Joy. She hates the outro as well. Cool. Okay. Oh, okay cool. Did oh, she I go into like as much outro. depth yeah. on why she hates it as you did as why you love it? Um, I think she did, but it's basically the same reasons that everyone else has given that it doesn't fit with what Star Trek is. It's way too earnest and cheesy. I quite like the outro. Uh, oh, so the outro. I no, she didn't talk about the outro uh, at all, but um. Really, I don't think I have any feelings on the outro. It's just there. it's there. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a better intro. That's my only feeling on the outro. <laughs> my feeling on it is it's it's a, mm. a a less good version of Harold Waltermeyer's Top Gun theme. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, I can okay. see that. Can I take this opportunity to say, Elliot, how much I enjoy your theme for this podcast? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> thanks. It's just I. It's fully based on the original series one and nothing else but <laughs> it, it takes, it's got a little bit of like Star Fox in there I threw some uh, modern stuff in it, just, it does draw on that a lot yeah it's just sci-fi based basically <laughs> yeah but whenever it, it comes in at the end of the podcast I think to myself as much as I love the Enterprise theme this would have been better <laughs> yeah. oh, I appreciate it dude that's always Fair. a compliment as, as somebody who has studied the sciences mm. what is your sort of general opinion on, on, on Star Trek and physics do you think the yeah. Star Trek is a help to physics or a hindrance to it how, how do you feel about that rocky relationship okay um i mean it was definitely a massive influence on me going to university to study physics cool and it it was a, a favorite show of many of my friends on the course including and not not just people like me that scraped through but my uh, a friend of mine who had the best grades on my in the year is one of her favorite shows and uh, i i yeah, I was definitely drawn drawn to science through my interest in, in Star Trek. I read uh, this book called The Physics of Star Trek by someone, Lawrence Krauss, I want to say. I know the book, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and it definitely sort of prompted me to, to choose to watch various sort of physics-y documentaries. And so like, by the time I got to my degree, I, um, I knew a lot of very advanced concepts not like in detail, not the maths and, and everything, but yeah. I, I got the ideas. I'd, I'd, I'd read Brief History of Time and uh, Stephen Hawking and, and stuff like that. And like the the the, 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 the physics, the, the physics they end up using to explain warp drive was sort of derived by oh, someone who Al, was already Al, Al, a fan of Al it. Alcubierre, is the, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, who invented the concept of the Alcubierre drive, which is a kind of a warp drive. Yeah, he was like, what What would that be like? It sounds like it's warping space. And he wrote some equations down and went, oh, this is theoretically possible. And then the, the writers of Next Gen were like, cool, we're totally including that. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. yeah. And the guy that founded, I want to say, either, either Motorola or like the mobile phone division of Motorola was a Star Trek fan. I, I knew that the communicate the yeah, original series communicator influenced. Yeah. So, it, uh, like, I think um, Will Shatner did a documentary where he goes around interviewing people in sort of sciences and engineering places who were influenced by it. Some guy set up a whole airline just because he was into Star Trek. 
There's um, a businessman who's got like a big office. I think it's in China, which is in the shape of the Enterprise. You've yeah, seen I've that. Heard of that? It's yeah. a really, really cool looking building. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, but impractical. Yeah. <laughs> on the Instagram. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's a double-edged sword, and I think all sci-fi is. Yeah. Um, because on the one hand, it stimulates a lot of interest in science. On the other, I think it gives a lot of kind of false hope to yeah. people like me. Yeah, same. Who 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 think that interest is going enthusiasm is going to translate into aptitude and and it doesn't um but ultimately i think it's it's got to be better than than not yeah no i agree and i think that from a perspective of somebody who was uh, like more of humanities sort of uh student when i was younger the it, it also kind of gives hope that like just groups of friendly nerds can solve problems in a in a constructive way (laughs) (laughs) joy and i were watching episode next gen not so long ago and you know they're in that meeting room and they uh, picard gets everyone's opinion and they make a decision and they go for it and joy said oh my god i wish my meetings were like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wish my meetings were in that room (laughs) yeah yeah and also like you know just thought we're going to enjoy a string quartet this friday (laughs) (laughs) everyone's opinion is is informed and matters and considered and a clear direction is it, 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 it yeah it comes i can't out wait to see star trek like that <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. my, one of my problems with with slightly newer star trek is that they've kind of reverted everybody to having a 21st century mentality and mm. i really think that you have to imagine that everybody who works for this for starfleet has basically gone through an idealized childhood with incredible mental health care yeah and and i think that kind of making people I mean, I know like you know, the tension gets derived through conflict, mm. but sort of making everybody kind of like shaky and a bit of a of a div, or you know, just maybe unsure of themselves, mm. it kind of contravenes the message. Which is why I don't mind it so much in Discovery because it's mm. prior to the Federation of you know, the Next Generation. I mean, this is this is definitely something that I, I have thought, although. Talk, going to talk about next generation now sorry but um re-watching it with joy i realized that that was the image i had in my head and most fans have in the head of starfleet in the future yes. if you actually watch next generation it's only really the senior officers who who are really competent and confident and and all the rest of it anytime they kind of introduce someone lower down they're often a bit combative or, or or any any admiral introduced is introduced as as a combative character yeah. yep. um so there's this kind of sweet spot where you're either on the bridge and a competent human being or you're somewhere else and like not everyone can be at their level like there's there's hundreds of crewmen so i think uh, i think i think there is this kind of uh, I said it's a dirty, dirty secret that, that not everyone is a perfectly well-adjusted uh, person in the future. <laughs> Have you ever but... seen the um, vegetarian space socialist sketch by uh, Alistair Beckett King? I haven't seen that, but I really like him. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. I'll, we, we'll we'll, we'll link post a link to that. It, it kind of talks a lot about that. It's just him going, uh, you know, it's like he's Captain Bacardi shaved his head for it. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. Yes. And it's like a Klingon guy analog on screen. And he's like, hello, we are the vegetarian space socialists. We're always right. And then the guy goes, we hate you. It's like, yes, everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> that rings a bell. Yeah. Look up the poster. But g- going to go back to, to Enterprise, I think that, yeah, it's very clear that, that, that these two creators had very different visions um, yeah. that they wanted to show a time before the earth was civilized the way they did that was to give everyone racist undertones which is not good 
Um, but they, I feel like they, they did, they, they set up so many things that were good. Like I, um, I love making the, the Vulcans kind of the antagonists and saying like, you're not ready. You can't go out. We don't like you messing things up. And like they, they, they thought about things like, well, okay, they don't have such good technology. So what's going to be, what's going to be difficult? I was like, oh, navigation might be more difficult. We should have a navigator. Translation will be more difficult. We should have a translator. And, uh, we don't. We, we don't have beaming so we can't like just filter out all the bugs they need a con- decontamination chamber that would that'd be really cool and we call had, that the sexy room though. yes i remember <laughs> they, they 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 had all these ideas and then the other one would just went nah and it, it, like with the, up to that point they'd had like a good 15 years of full tilt star trek and i felt like they just mined modern sci-fi ideas for everything that it was worth they'd already started repeating themselves and they're like okay let's wind things back a bit try and do something a bit different and they just went nah we'll just do the same thing we've been doing for the last 15 years and it got stuck in the middle and i'm just so disappointed it's so much wasted potential like i if they wanted to do something pre-federation talk about the founding of the federation i looked up the founding members so there's there's earth vulcan the tellarites and the andorians yeah yeah and looking up the tellarites and the andorians there's naff all about them on memory alpha which implies to me that not even in series three four uh two three and four do, do we really delve into them and I if they have some andorian stuff but not maybe. much on the tellarites, the, the tellarites but, turn up every now yeah. and again yeah but that 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 episode with the listening post that should have like that should have been the whole show yes it, almost mm-hmm every episode should have been we should have been learning meeting these races learning that they all had tensions them trying to solve all of these tensions and and and, and then with the klingons interfering and maybe making sort of the, the klingon threat kind of that thing that binds them together and and i know there's nothing really scientific there that's very space opera yeah but they but like with the listening post they could have linked those tensions to technological stuff like well there would have been plenty of sharing technology involved and yeah limiting if you need to technology and that could have been part of why they were disagreeing and stuff there's plenty of stuff you could have done with that that would have been way more interesting yeah Yeah. definitely and and you you could have worked in all of these technologies that that they don't have like um transporters and phasers and shields and 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 these things and have have the development of those technologies be tied to there, there is a, a thread of this that goes because they do have transporters. They just don't trust them to, mm. to transport organic. Which is fair enough. Which, yeah, and and I kind of like that. And they do kind of use them a bit more. And they they theoretically don't have phases, but they obviously do. Like well, the, the, this is the thing. Like the, they'll say, "Oh, we don't." We, we, oh, we, this is this is some new experimental thing, but it's still a phaser. I would have liked like, it if they'd have gone with like you know a Battlestar Galactica, Ronald D. Moore version version of technology where they don't have phasers, they have like guns, mm-hmm. or they don't have um, you know ship mounted phasers, but they've got big racks of missiles. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be kind of kind of interesting to see that you know the Klingons turn up, they start phasering the crap out of everybody, mm-hmm. and then suddenly Archer launches like thirty nukes, <laughs> and it does the job. And they're yeah. like, oh well, we didn't expect that to work. I'd, I'd love it if I'd love it if the Vulcans like turned up and phased the Klingons back to their home world and they're like wait you have phases or of course we've got phases yeah. you, you didn't give us it none. you can't have <laughs> you can't phases it <laughs> would have been great do we have anything more to say about shockwave part two i am all good for shockwave part two we're back <laughs> <laughs> elliot our next episode is carbon creek what are you expecting i have no memory of it so i do 
Carbon Creek. Not a clue. Hopefully it relates to the episode. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point because it, it doesn't always. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of shockwave. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Where can people find you online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at PhysiMcPhysics. Um, which I basically only use for bringing up this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate it. I will put a link to that in the description. Well, the point out, you've had Fizzy McPhysics longer than Boaty McBoatface has existed, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> He's the original Boaty McBoatface. That's how we'll advertise him on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my teenage nickname was Harry McLegs. And, <laughs> and then I, I did physics stand-up at university, and I, I decided I needed a stage name and came up with Fizzy McPhysics and that kind of <laughs> stuck. Fantastic. I'll also put links to all of our other social media presence. Uh, Elliot's SoundCloud, where you can listen to our theme tune whenever you like. And we will be back soon to talk to you about Carbon Creek. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.